How to give a presentation to the Imperial Court while accidentally committing light treason by making a friend. From Civil Wars, Whistleblower Tactics, Schematic Drafting, and the Finer Points of Sith Adoption, the Essential How-To Guide for the Engineering Jedi. By Jack Daw Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on the works of George Lucas. Chapter 3 I Gathered All My Courage Dress uniforms, Luke decided, were the invention of someone with far too much time on their hands and a particularly cruel sense of fashion. Oh, sure, they looked nice. And even he could admit that it was a pretty snazzy outfit once he put it all on and looked in a mirror, but they were about the furthest thing possible from comfortable. If you asked Tim, his black overalls from the Engineering Corps were fancy enough already, considering they never had holes in them and didn't even show any stains. But Vader had told him in no uncertain terms that he was not facing the viper pit of Imperial Center in his work uniform, and did he remember nothing of his lessons these last few days. Which, okay, fair enough. But that was before he'd known that clothes could be this uncomfortable. It wasn't even all that bad at first, but then the collar had been done up and a cap handed to him, and, well... Luke had to draw the line somewhere. He hadn't worn a cap since his very first day of work. The thing was stuffy and precariously balanced on top of his head, but it had been given to him with his overalls, so he'd gamely put it on. That had lasted until the damn thing had fallen off of his head for the third time after he'd crawled under a TIE fighter and gotten stuck in a piston. After that, he categorically refused to wear a cap, and anyone who pestered him about it he could usually get off his back by citing that it was a hazard to his work. So he hadn't worn a cap since then, and he wasn't about to start now. Not even if it was a part of his dress uniform. Not that he could anymore, even if he wanted to, since the two pieces of headgear he'd been given had both met a tragic end after they'd gotten shredded up by Emmy. How that mouse droid had gotten a hold of them was a mystery, and definitely not a case of deliberate feeding, definitely. Which left only one more problem. He tugged lightly on the collar that sat tightly around his neck, subtly undoing the hidden clasp that kept it closed. There, much better. Now, freed from the uncomfortable clothing malfunction that had been plaguing him ever since he put on the jacket, he felt much more comfortable in looking out of the viewports of the cockpit. Technically, he was supposed to be in the main hold with the rest of the officers, but a bit of quick talking with Vader had given him the permission necessary to join the man in his near-customary position in the corner of the cockpit. Apparently, taking joy in looking at the stars and planets outside whatever ship they found themselves in was something they both had in common. And as long as he promised to return to his seat upon landing, he was cleared to enjoy the view. And what a view it was. Imperial Center, as he was told the planet was now called. Apparently you could rename a planet? He would have to tell Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru the next time he wrote to them. Had strings of lights spanning its surface on a scale that boggled his mind. Theoretically, he'd known that Coruscant, Imperial Center, was one big city, but there was a big difference in knowing and understanding. And understanding is what left him now slightly awed. How could there be so many people on one planet? As the shuttle circled the planet towards its ultimate destination, Luke watched in wonder as the sun, just one, began to peek out from behind the horizon of the planet. Transfixed by the sight, he stared out the cockpit with wonder and excitement. His first time on a new planet, and it would be here, in the heart of the galaxy. A soft squeeze to his shoulder drew his attention away from the view in front of him, and he glanced up sideways at the towering figure of Darth Vader next to him. Red lenses looked back at him, 
and he could feel the fondness and amusement rolling off of the man in waves. Clearly his captivation with the view in front of him had not gone unnoticed, and he sheepishly smiled up at the man. But really, he came from a moisture farm out on the edge of the wastelands, where three hundred people was considered an unfathomable crowd. What else had Vader expected his reaction to be? Even just boarding the lady he'd been overwhelmed in the first few weeks by the sheer amount of people aboard, and somehow he got the feeling that Imperial Center would top that ten times over. It was at that moment that the shuttle began to shake slightly and the pilots began to talk over their comms with what was presumably ground control. Atmospheric re-entry, it must be. Looking back up at Vader confirmed it. The man jerked his mask over to the door leading to the main hold and a clear order to take his seat once more. Nodding back, Luke wasted no time scrambling over to the door as the shaking began to worsen. Back in the main hold, most of the other officers shot him a look as he made a beeline back to his seat, but he ignored them. He'd largely gotten used to people looking at him strangely over the past few months, and he figured that it was just one of those things people did off of Tatooine. He did give a friendly nod over to Captain Piet, though, when the man caught his eye, and he thought that that might have gotten him a slight smile in return. The rest of the descent went smoothly enough, and soon a feeling swooped in his stomach that let him know the pilots had decided to disengage the artificial gravity generators in favor of the natural gravity of the planet under them. A few minutes more, and the shuttle started pitching and turning in ways that he recognized as the landing procedures in action. Sure enough, they soon touched down, and the pilots hadn't even given the all-clear message yet before Vader was already sweeping towards the ramp in long strides which had somehow already begun to lower itself, despite no one being at the controls. Engineer Lars, came the rumbling call to attention, and Luke swiftly stood up, already anticipating the next words that would be coming out of the vocoder. With me. Yes, my lord. And he quickly hurried over to flank Vader's side. He'd seen the size and scope of the planet they landed on. He was not getting lost. The ramp finished lowering, and sunlight... Real sunlight, not the mimicry that the lady could make, streamed into the shuttle, blinding Luke for just one moment now that he no longer had a specialized window between him and it. He squinted against it, and used every trick he knew to rapidly readjust his eyes. And once they did, he gasped. They'd landed in front of a building he'd only seen in the hollows Vader had shown him these last three days, the Imperial Palace, with all its strange angles and spires. None of those hollows had shown how absurdly fucking big it was, though. Suns and sand, he couldn't even see where the sides ended from where they'd landed, which appeared to be a landing platform attached to the side of just one of the spires, who needed that much space to work and live in. Well, the Emperor, apparently. Luke mentally answered his own question. And okay, running the whole galaxy was probably a pretty tough job, so maybe he really did need this much space. But the part of Luke that would always carry Tatooine in his bones protested against the near-mountain-sized building regardless of what he reasoned. Actually, he frowned slightly. Was it its size that his hind brain was protesting? Something felt off here, no question about it, but it felt old, very old, and sad, scared, painful. The voice in the back of his mind that sometimes whispered like wind in the sand sounded so sad for just a moment as if something had been lost here, as if many things had been lost here. Then Vader moved by his side, and the moment was lost. Luke pulled himself back to the present and shook off the unnameable feeling of loss and grief that seemed to linger here. It was the Imperial Palace, 
Lots of things had likely been lost here, some of which he probably couldn't even begin to understand. He instead refocused on the present, and once again, keeping up with Vader's long strides that left him struggling to follow in a way that wouldn't look completely ridiculous, perhaps recognizing that or simply realizing there was no real need to break any speed records in power walking towards their welcoming committee, Vader slowed down enough that Luke could keep up without having to jog. Finally getting the chance to see who would be greeting them, Luke noticed red and white. Lots of it. Apparently two full companies of stormtroopers and red guards each were needed to welcome in three Lambda shuttles, two of which were their own security detail. He knew it was likely protocol or something like that, but for the life of him, Luke would never understand the way the Imperial Court did things, or why they needed a welcoming committee of this size for a man who'd already been here more times than either he or Luke could count. Coming to a stop next to Vader in front of the neat rows of men, a red guard with gear slightly fancier than that of the others, likely meaning they were an officer or something similar, Luke noted, stepped forward and greeted them with a deep bow. "'Lord Vader,' greeted a measured voice from under the helmet. "'It is good to see you once more in the Empire's heart.' "'The man, woman, both, neither?' "'Some things you just don't ask people, Luke, no matter how curious you are. Not unless it's absolutely necessary. Okay, Peru.' "'Person.' The person straightened back up and turned their helmet to look right at him. "'And this must be head engineer of the Executor?' Luke Laws, correct. Vader nodded once, and the red guard bowed deeply once more, this time to him. Luke stared in bafflement, and almost missed the words coming out from under their helmet. In the name of our glorious Emperor, I bid you welcome to Imperial Center and the Imperial Palace, heart of the Empire. Luke blinked once. Oh, not a welcoming committee for Vader, then, a welcoming committee for... Him. That was, well, fuck. It was likely only the good manners that Aunt Baru had drilled into him ever since he was old enough to understand what he was saying that saved him from looking like an entirely dumbfounded bantha as he heard his mouth form words without his direct input. I, thank you, he heard himself say, half remembering his three-day crash course. Your welcome is greatly appreciated. Likely those still weren't the exact right things to say, but it was better than nothing, right? If the words he spoke were in any way wrong, the Red Guard let nothing show as they merely dipped their head once more before turning back to Vader. The guest suites you requested for the members of your entourage have been prepared, and space has been made available to house your security retinue, Lord Vader. They spoke quietly. Shall we escort them there now? Vader gestured permissively. You may... And with that, the Red Guards and Stormtroopers came into motion, and marched past them in single file. Glancing behind him, he saw that all the other officers had also already exited the shuttles, and were standing a little way behind them. Most of them looked somewhat shocked for some reason, others unaccountably pleased, and Oswald and a few of his friends were the strangest of them all, because for some reason they were glaring at him with looks that reminded Luke of Rabbit Anubas. Whatever their deal was, Luke didn't really know and didn't want to know, if he was honest, but likely it was more of the same core-worlder nonsense he'd learned they were fond of, so he ignored it entirely. Captain Piet and General Veers looked much more pleased in comparison, with the General sporting a wide grin and Piet showing a small smile, which was fairly beaming for the unflappable man. He beamed back at them while the palace troopers and guards took up position around them, the troopers they brought with them from the 501st taking up position inside of those ranks. 
Seven troopers seemed to detach and take up positions specifically around him and Vader, and he figured they were likely the men Vader had told him would be by his side at all times in the coming days. Apparently there were people who were less than pleased with the idea of improved trooper armor, or who wanted the knowledge of how to make it for themselves, both of which had sent Vader into one of his fretting fits, as the man had ordered him in no uncertain terms to always keep them at his side when he wasn't around, no matter what. Which was fine by him, Luke thought as he subtly waved at the man in good cheer. Most of the troopers seemed to like him well enough and the feeling was mutual. Besides, it would put Vader more at ease and hopefully stop the man's fussing. With everyone in place, the entire welcoming committee, and once being welcomed, all moved forward as one, heading into the massive palace to see what awaited. If the lady was massive and her nineteen clicks long, then the palace was downright mountainous. It was one thing to read in the short file he'd been given by his mentor that the place was over three clicks tall, and had dozens of spires with who knows how many levels and wings— it was another thing entirely to walk through one of several hallways that had a ceiling high and wide enough that Luke bet you could fly a mid-sized freighter through them safely, not fit, fly. No wonder he'd been warned that people got lost in these halls. You could have fit the homestead several times over in just one of them, vaporators and all. As they reached the end of another absurdly spacious hallway and turned another corner, Luke looked up and around to really appreciate the sights around him, as strange as he sometimes found the apparent lack of logic behind some of the architecture, why did the ceilings need to be so high? They didn't actually fly ships through here, did they? He could still admit that it was all quite beautiful. The current sets of hallways they were walking through were done in styles of soft greens and blues, with more plant life than Luke had ever seen before, decorating everything from the arching open windows to the planters in the middle to the pillars that stretched towards the ceiling. Water indoor water flows, and no one seemed to be using it for anything, ran through wide, shallow channels along the floors like shimmering ribbons, straight into square basins dotted around the pillars, and some of it ran outside towards the palace gardens he'd seen mentioned earlier during his lessons. Or at least, he assumed all the green directly outside the windows were the gardens. For all Luke knew, Imperial Center was just like that. Then they rounded another corner, deeper into the palace, and the greens and blues changed to ochres and reds. Architecture seemed to change wherever Luke looked, and he was honestly delighting in it all. The colors, the plants, the water. But the deeper and higher they went, the fewer colors seemed to be used, and the more faded they became. A couple more minutes of walking, and the palace resembled nothing of the fun, lively hallways they were in earlier. Everything was now a polished metal gray, Somehow both sharp and nothing at all at the same time, it was still beautiful in its own way, Luke supposed, but he could admit to himself that he vastly preferred the plants and water and color from earlier to this. That had been the slightly messy kind of architecture that had felt alive and free, but this just felt empty. He sighed softly. Well, to each their own, he supposed. He remembered something about how the palace was slightly older than the Empire and how many parts were added over time. The earlier parts must have been from longer ago, seeing as this empty style seemed more in line with what he'd seen from the usual Imperial fare so far. It wasn't much longer until the guards began to notify them that they'd reached the first guest suite, and slowly small groups started to peel off of their main one with their squads of stormtrooper guards in tow. First the lower officers, then the higher ranks, then General Veers, Captain Piet, Admiral Ozel, who looked even angrier for some reason and a couple of others until it was just Luke and Vader left with their complement of troopers. "'I shall take it from here,' Vader said towards the guards. "'Return to your duties.' 
The Red Guard who'd been leading them so far stood in silence for a beat before handing over the final code cylinders and bowing deeply once more. As you wish, Lord Vader. And at those words, both they and the rest of the guard dispersed, melting away into the background of the palace like shadows, despite their blood-red robes. Luke shivered. He realized that these people were just doing their jobs as they'd been trained to, but there was something utterly unsettling about them that had the hairs on his neck standing on end. He didn't get long to think on the mysterious red guards, though, as Vader quickly motioned for them all to continue on. A couple more corridors, and they all came to a halt in front of a shimmering white double door. Engineer Lars, your quarters, Vader informed him as he gestured over to the door. Your security detail will stay with you while you reside here. Your luggage should have already arrived. I advise you to check if it has been tampered with. And by you, Luke knew he meant troopers. But he decided not to call him out while they were still in front of seven other people. Some professionalism had to be maintained, he knew. My own quarters are at the end of this hallway, Vader continued, unaware of Luke's inner dialogue. If you have need to see me, come find me. Luke smiled as Vader repeated the phrase he had first used to grant Luke access to his wing on the lady, knowing it meant the same here, even as the troopers would not. Yes, my lord, he agreed with a wide smile, as he knew that Vader realized he'd caught his meaning when he felt soft fondness pouring for the man like a heartbeat. Very well then, Engineer Lars. Dismissed. And with that, Vader swept around and strode to the end of the hallway. Still smiling, he turns towards the troopers still standing guard around him. All right, you guys. Who wants to check out the new place so we can start introductions? Because I'm not sure I ever got all your names and I don't have an ID HUD. The troopers traded brief looks with each other before one stepped forward, his armor designating him a commander, and held out a hand. Commander Cody at your service, sir. I think I speak for all of us when I say, lead the way. Luke beamed at the other man and shook the hand firmly. It's an honor to meet you, Cody and he made sure to pack as much sincerity into those words as he could. These men were assigned to protect him, as he knew they would do so without second thought. That was a great honor indeed. He clapped his hands together and looked at each of the men's visors in lieu of being able to see their faces. Right then, let's check this place out. Opening the doors, he walked into a room that looked nothing like he'd expected. Large, oval, airy, and with the furthest wall bisected by one massive arching window that went onto a balcony overlooking the skyline of Imperial Center, the guest suite was nothing like the sterile architecture outside the door. Sunlight streamed into the room, reflecting off the many glass and crystal elements in it and onto the soft cream walls and plush white furniture, painting the whole place in various shades of warmth and light. Glinting accents of mirror-polished bronze and copper shone out everywhere in the architecture in various tints metallic, red and gold. Overall, it reminded Luke of the hours of early dawn and the moments when the sun peeked through the clouds in the rain season, light, bright, but not punishingly so. A far cry from the impersonal blank durasteel plating in stiff corners he'd expected somewhere in the back of his mind, but like hell was he complaining, and there seems to be more to the suite yet. He could see two open archways leading left and right into adjacent rooms, while a staircase gracefully wound its way upwards along the curved wall to the balustrade circling the upper part of the room, lined with yet more doors. One of the troopers whistled as they walked in behind him. Sweet stars! No offense, sir, but I'm damn glad I got assigned to you if this is what the accommodations look like. Luke burst out laughing at that. Son's none taken, he reassured the trooper as he continued to chuckle. 
If you're all going to be stuck on guard duty with me, you better get something out of it. Eh. Our trooper shrugged. Guard duty ain't so bad, sir. No drills to run. No active battles if we do our jobs right. And we get to see something else besides our barracks again. Plus, another trooper added as he slouched down on one of the wide armchairs, you're pretty laid back compared to our usual protection charges. And the guards guarding Ozel, those bastards are pity. Might be surprised if they'll need some leave after this one. All pretty good points, Luke conceded. Fair enough, he shrugged. But I still didn't get any of your names besides Commander Cody's. Their names will be Shadow Utrikove, who've already forgotten we're supposed to be sweeping these rooms. Commander Cody cut in, arms crossed over his chest and oozing sheer disapproval even as you couldn't see his face. A trooper standing right next to him with similar commander markings nodded sharply in agreement. On your feet, all of you. Get to work. He snapped out as the men groaned, but followed orders with an efficiency that Luke could only admire, even as he was confused by the process. Sweeping? He asked the commander by his side. For bugs, sir, Cody responded promptly. And any other unsavory surprises that might have been hidden in these rooms after your arrival became known? You're a high-value target now for any number of factions due to your skill set. Many would give anything to be able to collect on the various bounties on your id. The commander turns to face Luke, and he saw his own stunned expression reflected back at him in the visor. And that is what we're here for, sir. To make sure they do not succeed. Still slightly discomforted from the reminder that there were whole factions baying for his blood, or effectively his enslavement, Luke could only nod mutely as he sat down heavily on one of the square poofs, watching the troopers systematically sweep the suite, checking everything from the walls to the furniture to the ostentatious cut crystal chandelier that they had to have four troopers from a pyramid formation for. Luke wondered idly when this had become his life. When at last even the vents and kitchen sink had been deemed safe, the various troopers pulled off their helmets and gathered round for introduction. The first thing that caught Luke's eye was that they all looked nearly exactly the same, same height, face, eyes, and hair when they had any, and all significantly older than he was. Clones, then, all of them. Luke had come to know a little bit about the clones these last few months. Apparently the 501st was one of, if not the last, regiments they served in. Soldiers from the wars that marked the very beginning of the Empire, all brothers of each other, or Vode, as they called themselves, in a language he'd learned was Mandoa, the language of the Mandalorians, each identical in appearance, except for the scars and tattoos that told their stories, Vader's most loyal soldiers, and apparently the men that had been selected to be his guards. Oh, he said as he took them all in, well, this may be a little late, but chat to your shady wall. And please let him have pronounced that right. That got him a couple chuckles from the troopers, a chorus of Mandoa greetings back, and an encouraging pat on the shoulder from the commander. Almost, sir, Cody told him with a light smile, but the E consonant from Jate and the Ye consonant from Ushie sound a bit more similar than that. Luke groaned and dropped his head in his hands as the clones barely stifled their laughter. He'd said that last bit out loud again. I can never get those two right, he complained, voice muffled by his hands. Give me hydro spanners any day. Eh, hey, you're still learning, sir. A clone with salt and pepper hair and a black tattoo peeking out from under it said, And you're trying, which is more than can be said for almost everyone else. He stepped forward and extended his hand. Field medic kicks, sir. A field medic? Oh, come on, he wasn't that bad. I made to make sure everyone stays in top form, including you, and to provide aid in case everything does go belly up. Field medic, huh? He said with a grin as he shook the hand firmly. And here, 
Lord Vader said that he didn't fret. Kix gave him an unimpressed look as he stepped back. With all due respect, sir, I read your file. He raised an eyebrow in a manner so uncannily similar to Aunt Beru that Luke mentally shivered as he realized just what kind of personality this man must have. You were found in no less than eight separate places that humans, by all logic, couldn't and shouldn't inhabit twenty-seven separate times over the last month. I'll defer to Lord Vader's judgment on this one. And okay, fair, but that didn't stop Luke from pulling a face as the other clones snickered. Another one of the men stepped forward and held out a hand. Commander Rappo, sir. Pleasure to meet you officially. Rappo, he recognized that name. I know you, he told the man excitedly as he shook the hand. You were the one who filed all those ideas on a real-time tactical feed in the HUD. Those were brilliant, by the way. I don't know if I've thanked you for them yet. Everything's been going at light speed lately, and I haven't yet had the time to really thank everyone for all the help. Apo, for his part, merely grinned somewhat self-consciously as he shifted his helmet under his arm. Well, sir, you were the one who did all the work, so I don't know about that. He began modestly, but Luke waved it off as he blew a raspberry. I didn't even know troopers had a symbol tagging system like that, and without the ledger you drew up I would have been fucked beyond all belief, he insisted as the man's face flushed darkly while his brothers nudged him playfully in the side. If you say so, sir, Apo muttered quietly, and Luke had already opened his mouth again to insist that he did when another clone stepped forward. Ignore the commander, sir. He doesn't do well with praise, or really people in general. A clone with a mostly shaved head said as he stepped forward, ignoring the glare of his superior. Name's Boomer, sir. Sergeant. It's good to finally meet the head tech who's actually looking to improve things around here instead of just staying holed up in their department and huffing their own hot air all day. Luke laughed as he shook his head. I'll take that as a compliment, Boomer. The man grinned at him with a troublemaker smile. Was Minnie's one, sir. All right, Trouble, you've had your fun. One of the last three unidentified clones grouched as he shouldered his way past his brother. Sticking out a hand like all his other brothers, he introduced himself promptly. Sergeant Hicks, sir, at your service. Can't thank you enough for what you've done for us, sir, he said as he knocked a hand on his chest plate. Feeling himself flush bright red, Luke shook the hand while rubbing the back of his neck. Sons, thank you, Hex, but it wasn't just me, you know. Many other people worked on it, and you guys helped more than you know. He tried to deflect and failed miserably, going by the scoffs of the men around him. Hex, meanwhile, just shrugged. Maybe so, sir. But we know what Lord Vader said when you first presented this to the brass. Above and beyond, is it something he says oddly? Or at all, and yet... Hex's eyes flashed as he looked at Luke, highlighted by the twin falcon markings tattooed underneath his eyes, and for a moment it looked as if he was seeing more than just Luke standing there. He said it about you. That means more than I think you know, sir. And certainly enough to tell us something of who you are. Still feeling a bit like he had suddenly been pulled onto a stage... Luke nodded shyly before turning to the two remaining troopers, one of which had a jagged lightning bolt tattoo curving over the right side of his face and temple, the other a complex mesh of coding symbols that arched over his head. They stepped forward simultaneously, and Luke found himself in the strange position of having to shake two hands at once. Sergeant Volt, the one with the lightning tattoo spoke, and Sergeant Schloss, sir, the other spoke in near-perfect unison, were prepared to be here. Luke smiled at both men before a thought occurred to him, "'Wait,' he said as he stared wide-eyed at all seven men. Four sergeants, two commanders, and a field medic?' he asked, bewildered. "'Now, I might have missed some classes when I got my Military 101 crash course, but that's not—that's not a usual squad makeup, is it?' He trailed off at the last words, feeling more and more silly for having even brought it up. Cody, however, merely nodded. "'It's not the usual way of doing things, sir. I'll grant you that. 
But then, the usual way of doing things doesn't seem to readily apply to you. We were all selected by Lord Vader himself when squads were being formed, sir, Commander Rappo chipped in. And while it's unusual to have multiple officers in the same squad with two Shios, you needn't worry that we won't perform our bits, sir. What? He pointed out. No, I didn't mean it like that. I just meant, well... He pulled a hand through his hair. Sons in sand, he muttered. Seven highly skilled men who'd been soldiers for longer than he'd been alive, and they got put on what he knew was essentially glorified babysitting duty. He sighed and met Apo's gaze apologetically. I didn't mean to imply that you wouldn't perform your duty well, Apo. I'm just sorry you got all this... He made a vague gesture between him and all of them. Boisted on you. Apo stared at him for a moment before breaking out into chuckles alongside his brothers. Feeling like he was thoroughly missing the joke, Luke gazed askance to Commander Cody, who seemed a little less busy laughing than his brothers. Perhaps seeing his unspoken question, or perhaps just taking pity on him, the clone commander explained, "'Sir, you don't understand,' he said as he elbowed Boomer next to him when the man just wouldn't stop snickering. "'We were selected, yes, but we were selected from a pool of volunteers.' "'Wait, what?' But Commander Apo nodded in confirmation. "'That's how it always goes in the 501st, sir. "'If at all possible, only volunteers are assigned to protection details.' Since experience has taught Lord Vader that a resentful bodyguard is often worse than no bodyguard. He gestured a hand to all men present. We? We were just the lucky ones that got drafted from the pool of volunteers for your detail. What? Lucky? he asked, feeling just a bit off kilter. Apo snorted inelegantly, looking at him with a mix of fondness and amusement. You really don't know, sir, do you? Off kilter feeling was increasing. Know what? Sir, Cody interrupted gently, nearly the entire fourth hundred and first volunteered to be on your detail for this mission. There were arguments on who could come, since the officers who would usually do the selecting had also volunteered. That's why Lord Vader had to come in and select us himself in the first place. Farts would have broken out if he hadn't. And that was, that was just slightly too much for Luke to process in one go. Volunteers? Fights? The entire 501st? He squeaked out. Really? Boomer badly disguised his laugh as a cough before he was coughing for real when Hex elbowed him in the side between two hard plates. Yes, sir, the stern sergeant said. Really? He tilted his head somewhat at him, and Luke, whose brain was currently lagging like an Ontario-class hyperdrive, thank you for asking, for the life of him couldn't decipher the look he was being given in the moment. You really didn't know, sir? He asked and Luke mutely shook his head, wide-eyed as he tried to process the new information. Hex huffed and a small smile appeared on his face. "'You're something of a hero in the troop of barracks at the moment, sir,' he explains, and that, that didn't make any sense whatsoever. "'What?' he meeped out, feeling thoroughly lost. Boomer snorted loudly again, and, ignoring another elbow to his side, grinned widely at him. "'Well, what else did you expect to happen when you made us this shiny new toy, sir?' he asked, tapping his helmet. We've been stuck with that dinky stormtrooper armor for years now, with issues that took years, if not decades, to be fixed. And then, boom, suddenly you come along and deliver us some of the best goodies in the entire damn military. And unlike most of the tech boffins, with egos larger than what their heads can deliver, you did just because you believe we deserved them, just because you saw us as worth spending time, effort, and resources for. Luke shot him a look of horror at that last bit, but Boomer just shrugged carelessly. 
That's rare, sir. And scored you a lot of points with both officers and Shawnee's luck. Trouble's right, sir, Hex chimed in. We're mostly just seen as the grunt workers for the high brass. Expendable and easily replaced. So to get an upgrade like this, he shook his head. Unheard of, at least. His eyes focused with that same sharp intensity on Luke until you came along. And suddenly everything's changing. He tilted his hand and observed Luke in a manner that reminded him of some of the lab techs after he'd told them about what he'd done to their precious equipment. Not angry exactly, but like they were trying to decide if figuring him out could best be achieved by talking or by slicing him into a slide and sticking it under the aforementioned equipment for examination. He doubted that Hex would go that far, though, if for no other reason than that it would be against his orders. Seemingly making up his mind, Hex nodded once, and his features softened minutely. "'You've been good for the lady,' he stated softly. "'The lady and her shadow. Lord Vader is the best commander a trooper could ask for, but he's always carried something with him that weighed like an entire planet on his shoulders. You seem to ease that burden,' he noted. "'I've got to agree with Sergeant Hicks there, sir,' Commander Apo piped up. "'You have been good for Lord Vader, and near everyone can see it. That alone would have put you in our good books.' But then you took us all under your wing, in the best way you knew how. Even us clone troopers. And that is something only Lord Vader has done for us before. To us troopers, sir, you're rare, like purple stars. Face burning like the noon suns from all the unexpected praise, Luke scuffed his boot along ground. I just... It was just that you deserve better, Luke muttered out feeling both flattered and embarrassed at the attention and confessions of the clones. I just wanted to help. He knew the armor was bad before he remade it, but was really no one but Vader looking out for these men. He looked up at the men standing in a loose group before him, and they were they were old soldiers, in their mid-forties or early fifties at the very least, not unfit for duty by any means, but they'd clearly been fighting for a very long time, longer than Luke had been alive. Had they in all that time really had that few people looking out for them? He swallowed, before resolving something to himself. Aunt Beru had often said that his grandmother Shmi had a favorite saying, that the problem with the galaxy was that people didn't help each other. His aunt had further said that the older he got, the more people would try to say that it wasn't that simple, that life wasn't that simple, and that he couldn't just help everyone because it was more complicated than that. She told him not to listen. It is that simple, Luke, she told him. It's just people who make it complicated. Trying to invent reasons and traditions and systems to justify why they can't help, so they don't have to face the simple but ugly truth. They just don't want to. So when people tell you that you can't help, know that it's a lie. You can always help. You just have to want to. And be willing to look everyone who doesn't right in the eye. He'd imprinted that lesson and all of his aunt's lessons of the secret knowledge that all children of the desert possessed, into the very core of who he was the moment he had been old enough to understand a bit more of how the world worked, a bit more about Tatooine, a bit more of the core problem that was people not helping. And while there were differences in the situation, he could easily see the parallels between the men in front of him and the slaves of Tatooine. No one helped either of them, no one likely ever even thought of either of them besides acknowledging that they existed. Maybe. No one helped the slaves, and apparently no one helped the troopers either. 
or rather almost no one. On Tatooine they had the flight paths, a network of people who did help, and to whom slaves could turn when they were ready to take a chance at freedom no matter the risk. Surgeons and doctors to get the transmitters out, and if needed, heal the desert children back into fighting shape. Runners and saboteurs who took supplies and correspondence to the slave quarters underneath the noses of the masters, or led the flights along their areas by bringing down transmitter towers and escorting their newly freed siblings to safety. Forgers and silver tongues, who made the identification someone needed to exist without a chain around their neck, and convinced some of the people unwilling to help to look the other way. Pilots, who were willing to take on a few extra passengers at a sharp discount, and be unusually unobservant to any discrepancies within any paperwork. Those people helped. Sons. Luke himself had been a runner and saboteur due to his skills as a pilot and mechanic, shepherding his siblings through what was often the most dangerous part of the flight as the desert whispered through the back of his mind. He'd even been a surgeon a couple of times, when a transmitter needed out now, and Aunt Beru wasn't around to do it. Even now, with whole systems between him and the desert, he was still helping. The chunk of his paycheck he sent home every month was working not only to keep his aunt and uncle from falling short on Java's taxes, but also to buy the lives of any siblings who really couldn't be freed any other way and support the good fight with a vital lifeline of capital. People helped the slaves of Tatooine, even if they often were only the free children themselves. But who helped these men in front of him? Vader, apparently. Though Luke doubted the man had been able to do as much as he wanted to, since he clearly needed someone to help him, too. He put a few credits on General Veer's trying his best, too, but he didn't know if the man really had the mindset, either. Likely he didn't even really think help was needed, as was often the case with many core worlders. So really almost no one. Well, fine. If no one was going to help, then Luke was just going to have to do it himself. He shook off the last of his embarrassment and shyness and stood tall as he looked the men who had proclaimed themselves lucky to be allowed to protect him, him, in the eyes. "'I just wanted to help,' he repeated, packing as much meaning into those five words as he could. All that he had decided and all the responsibility he took on with that declaration, and he thought that the men might have caught something of that intent when their eyes gained a kind of sheen— that reminded him eerily of the look some of his siblings sometimes gave him when he helped them with their unshackling. "'And I'm going to keep helping,' he declared firmly, as binding as any true vow made by water, blood, and sand. "'You can trust in that.' The clones all looked between each other, and some kind of understanding seemed to pass between them before Commander Cody took a step forward to him and held out both of his hands, palm up this time. I think we already do, Goran, the man admitted. We can see him. You've got that fire in your eyes, the kind that screams Mandokar, to anyone who would care to listen. Mandokar. Luke had only just begun to really learn Mandoa in order to communicate with the clones in their native language, but he knew that was a powerful word, the kind that paid respect in something deeper than a shallow compliment. He couldn't help it. He felt some nerves, knowing that his vow had been accepted so immediately without the men even really knowing what it was. That spoke of a kind of starvation for aid that Luke knew all too well from the desert and her children. But he was committed to help now, come what may. He extended his own hands to accept the handshake. But instead Cody forewent that, and clasped his hand around his forearm, 
and that, that meant something deeper too, Luke could tell. So he clasped back as firmly as he could and looked Cody right in the eyes. Thank you for choosing to protect me, he offered as solemnly as he could, projecting as much determination and a will to help as he could with a mirthless smile, knowing that the commander would likely understand what he was really saying. Something that was confirmed when the old veteran smiled back grimly and squeezed his grip once. And thank you, sir, for choosing to help us troopers. And as something deeper passed between the two of them, engineer and stormtrooper, Luke knew that despite any doubts he may have had about all this, the voice that whispered like shifting sands in the back of his mind had led him true once more. Here was exactly where he needed to be. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Donkadai, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.